Height Zone World, episode 21. My guest this week is Lord Grunge of Grand Buffet and of my band Shark Tank. He's one of my best friends and him, along with some of the other people we talk about in this podcast, Jackson of Grand Buffet, Jordan Weeks, his brother, uh, they've kind of been like older brothers to me in this music game. And so I really wanted to come in depth with this one. So much so that we're going to have to break it into a couple parts. We're going to do this one on his early days with Grand Buffet. Then we're going to pick it up again later, go into the more modern shit. I think it was a real tight episode. We're sponsored, as always, by the lineup room recording and mixing studio located in baltimore maryland check them out at lineuproom.com as always these drawings are by mike riley comics he killed it this week as he does every week let's go in it is something it's almost impossible not to take it for granted is that from the time i was like old enough to like walk and talk my brother was like pointing me toward cool shit yeah and the first shit was was rap music i mean yeah that's like i don't know i get it's weird i i feel like i have a pretty decent memory but exact dates and years i i don't retain everything's yeah. kind of approximate in my mind but um yeah i i want to say it was when i was around four years old that you know, I noticed my brother rocking these styles. I mean, that would have made him nine going on 10 yeah. years old and him rocking like these black, like black Wranglers or black Levi's, like yeah. black sport coat, sport jacket, yes. like it's black fedora, yeah, giant Adidas. And just, and what's, what's awesome to me is that. And again, and I cannot personally relate to this is, you know, my brother didn't have anyone to point him toward this stuff. He yeah. discussed, and it's, I mean, our, our parents are cool people, yeah. but not like they were, they weren't musicians. It's not like they were, they were like camping on, on hip hop or rap culture. You know, it was just something, yeah. I mean, and at that time, you know, we lived in, man, I, for years I've said it's, it's like a suburb of boston but it's not really it's it's more it's like central massachusetts but i mean it was more or less like a farm town yeah you know what i mean like we have to go to like I, I, i'm not fronting i didn't live on a farm i'm just saying it was it was very much a rural rural i, I, I can't pronounce that fucking word um my point is and this was also like there was I think MTV existed. We didn't have it where we were. Yeah. So to this day, I really don't know how my brother, I guess I should ask the dude. Yeah. I don't know how he discovered this world. You know what I right, mean? Right, right. Um, I mean, we did have, you know, we had family in New York and we'd make yeah. the occasional trip to New York and New York at that time was like, I mean, that's, it was very close to the actual like birthing of the culture yeah. as we know it today. You know, I, I think that was shortly thereafter. Um, but, and it wasn't just rap. I mean, my brother turned me on to a lot of awesome stuff. Yeah. A lot of awesome music. I mean, and, uh, you know, 
I, I do still, I mean, my brother and I don't, there's a lot of things on which we don't agree, but I still use him as a barometer. I feel like yeah. if he says, if he says something's whack, that doesn't necessarily make it whack, but it means there's a good reason that he would say yeah. that. Yeah. And it means that I'm like, okay, well I have to, you know, go in a little deeper. Yeah. Same thing as if he, if he says something's dope and I, and I think it's fucked up, I'm going to be like, well, all right, I need to do a little more homework. Yeah. And, you know, see what's what. As you got to this Pittsburgh, like, did that feel like a more permanent, like, home base right away? Or was it just like... No, not for not for a very long time, yeah. actually. You know, um, it's weird. I Looking back, I'm stoked. I kind of lived all over the country and stuff. It is weird because it, it did take me a lot. Like, I was, I don't know, I was probably... I feel like I was in my mid twenties before Pittsburgh really felt like home to me, mm. which is kind. Of, I mean, I I've I've loved the Berg for longer than that, but yeah. like, you know, before I really felt comfortable there, felt like this is. I mean, people ask me where I grew up. I say I grew up in Pittsburgh. Yeah. I mean, in reality, I didn't live there till I was like twelve. But I mean, you know, went to high school there. Yeah. Lost the V card there. You know what I mean? A lot of seminal growing up stuff happened there so it's yeah did you meet jackson like right after getting to pittsburgh yeah yeah met him in eighth grade um i don't know if i remember the like the first time we met he was yeah. like really weird looking but he clearly uh was a lot smarter than than everyone else in the school Myself, not necessarily included in that, but you know, um, it was like, yeah, this dude's pretty weird, and he was always rocking like, uh, uh, like the, was it like fucked, like F U C T? You remember? No. I know you're a little bit younger than yeah. I am, asshole. Um, <laughs> Shimon, uh, he's just, he, like rocking like weird, quirky t shirts and shit, and um you know weird looking dude so yeah i met i met him like right when i got to pittsburgh but yeah. i feel like we we weren't really homies till like i don't know probably like two years later probably yeah. like 10th grade we had english class together english class well how how did you and this jackson start making music i feel like the first thing we kind of vibed on was comic books mm Cause like I was very, very much, I was big into comic books. I had been for years at that time, but you know, 12 years old, 13 years old, I was fat as fuck. I was not at that, you know, I was not at that juncture being like initiated into like, like the realm of the, up the shirt or like the realm of the finger fuck. You know what I mean? Yeah. New kid, new town, new school, new city. <clears throat> kind of maybe became a little more introverted, went deeper into comic books and fantasy yeah. shit, you know? Um, and I don't, I don't recall anyone else in that entire fucking school reading comic books, mm. anyone. Uh, but Jackson was always like rolling. He was down with this Deathlock, mm. and I was, and I didn't fuck with Deathlock, but that got me psyched. So I remember building with him a little bit about comic books and, you know, we had gym class together. 
we didn't really start it, it was a couple years till we started fucking around musically and i played bass guitar i had played violin and piano i was just kind of a not with like the school band but just on my own so when we got yeah. to high school i was like i want to say i was the only kid that that played or owned a bass guitar in the high school so these older cats these juniors and seniors were like trying to start these rock bands and um I mean, that's pretty much all it was. I was like, I was in two rock bands. They were the only two rock bands in the school. We'd always rehearse in my parents' basement. And uh, when I got my license, so I guess it would have been like 10th yeah. grade. Even though Jackson's like almost a year older than I am, I got my license first because I'm, I'm tight like that. Um, but so we would like, we would go back to, not on a band practice night, all the gear would be there, like PA system, drum yeah. kit. And, um, my brother had a lot of musical equipment there too, although it was, he was away at college. It was kind of off limits. Couldn't really fuck with that. But um, that's really, if I recall correctly, I want to say it was like 19, would have been 1994 when like 93, 94 is when I copped the license. So thereabouts. But we would just like fuck around mm. with like, you know, my one rock band was called Longevity. So like Longevity had their back line, back line yeah. in my parents' basement and we would just fuck around and like, it was kind of, it would be a lot cooler if we had like made it rain and we're like a lot more famous. This would be like a really like, oh wow. Instead of just kind of, it's kind of be like, oh, oh, whatever. You know, for people who aren't, who aren't Grand Buffet fans, it's just kind of be like, oh. They can see it. If they can't, fuck them, yeah. is what I'm saying. Exactly. And that's what's cool is that it, it's, if they can't see it, first of all, there's like literally nothing I can do about it. Second yeah. of all, I don't, I don't care at all. <laughs> then let's go. Let's go. So had, had a, a drum machine. Maybe it was like an old boss, um, Dr. Rhythm, like really meat and potatoes, vintage boy. Yeah. Just some really basic ass beat bumping through this PA with me cranking out, trying to come funky on these bass lines. Yeah. And Jackson just, who, who had been a, Jackson was a student of rap already at that point in his life for years, even though he was like, whatever, 15, 16 years old. He had been camping on hip hop without the advent of a badass older brother for years. Yeah. Um, and then that was, I kind of got off, I kind of went off on a tangent. No, no. Post comic books, that was kind of how we, broad down was mm. like this rap music yeah really more music in general general yeah. it wasn't specifically rap you know i um tangential shit my brain's spinning no but you were you were saying like the first time he actually got on the mic is what i'm saying like in my parents basement it was just like wild shit and to the point where like my parents came downstairs and being like, like, what the heck? You know, like that, <laughs> like, holy smokes, this kid can rap. Like that kind of thing where it's just like, yeah. they'd heard, they heard music, noise, sound all the time, yeah. all the time. My parents were very supportive of like, of my brother and I being musical, which is, you know, which is very cool. But like, they'd hear, they'd hear like rock bands playing, they'd hear yeah. drum solos, but it's like, this is the one thing where it's like, you know, dad actually came downstairs and was kind of like holy smokes and and it was something and i i wish i could remember some of the actual lines but you yeah. know and it was just jackson just coming off you know coming off the dome 
Yeah. And it was it was pretty it was pretty badass. And it I mean it it was years from that point until we actually had something, you know, tangible and viable. But that as, right. as a group, but I feel like that was kind of where it all began. Yeah. And you know, and I was still psyched to be playing in these rock bands. We're doing there, you know, and it's 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 proper, it's like it's due process for like kids, but you know, it's mostly cover songs. Yeah. And it's great it's great to learn covers, build chops and stuff like that. But you know, I was so much more excited at the prospect of like, holy shit, we can actually just make Yeah. Make songs. And it sounds like obvious, but I don't know. Um, you know, it's before the internet. Yeah. Like like how did this th- these first G B shows like when did they go down? I want to say it was '96, and that's why, even though Jackson and I had had been, you know, fucking around together musically, yeah, I feel like Grand Buffet. In my mind, Grand Buffet as a as a group, as a band, whatever you want to call it, that happened in 1996, and yeah. we played two shows: one at our high school, and one at our middle school. At both right. of these dances. Like coming back as graduated cats? As about to graduate cats. Oh, okay. It was like senior year of high school. Yeah. That was real fucked up. I'm not going to lie. I honestly, I don't like to think about that. I did not like school ever. Yeah. I will never send my kids to public school. I think public yeah. schools are petri dishes for like negativity and sadness and darkness. And, um, but anyway, but so we were DJing this, uh, we were DJing a party at the middle school. Um, we had a DJ who was a, oh, this is, yeah. He was a year behind us, even though he was older than Jackson. Mm. Fucked up, man. He's a, he's a, he's a dummy. Dan Grudovich, you're a, you were a dummy. You still are, dickhead. Um, <laughs> if, you, if you actually camps on this, if you actually hear this, G-Rude, I'll, get, I'll send you a money order for $60. Just email me. You heard it Prick. here first. That's right. Don't hit me up pretending to be G-Rude, because I'll know. Anyway, um, but he got us the gig. He's like, they want us to DJ. So it was it was kind of like this plan, like, we're going to say we're a troop of DJs, but once the party's cracking, we're going to get on the mic. Like, that, you know what I mean? That was like, yeah. that was, and that was how it went down. And it was like, oh, man, it was a big, it's like a big problem. We had to like, it's, it just it fucking sucked. But this was tight. And like we, they did. I want to say like we got like two hundred dollars or something, yeah. which is like it's actually, which is like four times what I got paid last night playing a windup. So right, you know, eighteen years later, let's go. Um, <laughs> so it you know it was a legit gig, but like they were they were such dicks, you know. And it's like it was our school. It wasn't like we you know came in from Cleveland and we're like. We're taking over. It was right, like right, that right. was where we went to middle school, and it was yeah. like they were such fucking assholes. Us, and I don't remember the one teacher's name. I would totally, I would totally diss him. I just, I don't remember it. You know, with the mm. less said about him, the better. Fuck him. But I remember, he's like a real smug, like self righteous creep. Yeah, like I mean, creep, like in all that that connotes when a public school teacher creeps you out, like you think you know his fingers stink like shit. He yeah. was like that kind of guy, not his shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. What I'm getting at? But it was like busting our balls the entire time, and then being like, "Well, you know, you got your money, you know, you know, here's a pizza, like here's a pizza for the road," and it's like this big ass cold pizza. And I just remember like. 
and he he gave us this like so fucked up. This story's going on a little bit, but like this That's asshole he gave us like this little pep talk, like when it was all said and done. Yeah, basically saying like, well, if you hadn't have played, if you hadn't have played the version of YMCA where they say fuck. We wouldn't have had the problem that we had, and I wouldn't have had to disrupt it. It was just like, oh, my God. You know, I I understand why people, like, lash out violently. You know what I mean? And it's like, if I had been a different dude, maybe less of a pussy, like, I feel like I would have just punched this dude in the jaw. Mm. I, was not a, I was not a scrappy youngster. I was not. But uh, anyway, so it was, like, just, like, four hours of just, like, shit, just so we could say that we played a show and got paid. And then, like, this dickhead, like, walks back into the school. And then I, th this was awesome. And then Jackson just frisbeed the pizza <laughs> onto the roof of the school. I mean, and he, like, he nailed it. Like, yeah, that sounds yeah. like an easy thing to do. But the thing stayed in the box. And it, like, <laughs> floated up magically onto the roof of the school. And I just remember him looking at me and going, that's a fucking pizza. <laughs> like, that was, that was a very tight very tight jackson moment and it, was, and it was like a very small amount of payback for like how shitty the yeah know, how shitty the school was to us but yeah so 1996 and then we were out of high school um just basically just work day jobs for like the next uh next five four or five years till we were able to hit the road full time that was pretty much it um but I, i'm interested in like in that whole time like 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 did did you guys keep at it with these like local shows and... yeah it was yeah. it was very it was very um it took a long time for the ball to get rolling i mean it, yeah when we because we crossed paths with you i want to say summer of 2000 i believe is when yeah. we played with wounds at the roboto project i mean at that point it had been like three and a half years of cutting our teeth i guess so to speak yeah. um and, uh, you know, it was wild. It was a different, it's going back almost 20 years now, but, um, Pittsburgh, I think like most cities, very different then than it is now. Yeah. Things were a lot rowdier. Um, you know, rap music was not something that was commonplace amongst, amongst these, these whites. Yeah. It just wasn't in like, you know, not not to pat ourselves on the back, but it's like th there is that kind of crucial period of a few years where it's just, as you didn't see like these white cats getting on. I mean, of course there was there was white dudes in the game. There were white dudes who were killing it. I mean, you had the B boys, you had the third base. You know what I mean? Yeah, numerous numerous dudes. But but as far as a local scene, you know, if you, I mean, one of the fir the first out of Pittsburgh gig we ever played was in Philly. You know, um, and I feel like those cats at that point, at least the cats in that room, had not ever seen white boys spit. Yeah. And like, weird white boys. That's the thing. It's like, we, you know, we, we were not macho, you know, dudes. We were like, yeah. Jackson wore like this skeleton. He wore like a skeleton suit. <laughs> right, right, right. Not when I say suit, I mean like a costume for like children. Of course. You know right. what I mean? Um, but anyway, but so this is all kind of... <clears throat> We basically, we, we got on rap shows whenever we could. We just, there were very few and far between. Yeah. We mostly, we played rock bars. I mean, that's what we did from like 1996 to like, I mean, kind of till forever. But I mean, as far as 
until we started getting outside of Pittsburgh, yeah. swapping shows with other bands and like traveling a bit. That's what we did. I mean, um, a- anywhere that would take us. We we actually did put together a live band for a few shows. Yeah, with my brother on drums and kind of, kind of a rotating, rotating cast of like guitar players and stuff. Just buds and other bands. We uh, when we recorded our demo CD, I still I call it demo CD. Standing by that semi-infamous Scrooge McRock. Respect. Um, but we, the cats who owned the studio, uh, were in a band called Whiskey High. Yeah. And um, they just, they were awesome dudes. Hardcore metal dudes. They had never seen white dudes rap. You know what I mean? To them, yeah. it was this like culture shock thing happening. And, yeah. Um, you know, but they were super, super supportive, and I'm still very good friends with those dudes yeah. to this day, which I'm, you know, I'm proud to say because they're some of the realest dudes I've ever known. Yeah, the, yeah. the dudes from Whiskey High, the two mics. Um, yeah, some of the realest, most talented cats I've ever had the pleasure of knowing. Um, but so it was, we just wanted to do shows. We didn't give a fuck, like. Uh, I mean, there was a thing in a Walmart parking lot. Granted, that was a little bit later, but I mean, it's everywhere. Pittsburgh proper, Blonox, Dormont. We tried to get a show in Monroeville. It didn't come through, but we tried, man. Anywhere, anywhere yeah. we could get booked. I mean, any <clears throat> any dive bar, any restaurant, any anything. And it it was wild. It would have been some shit that had it been properly documented, I think would be a smash with like snarky smart ass like documentary fans and stuff is just like dudes rolling into like i don't know like a restaurant that's kind of like in the middle of the woods with like a pa and like a dat yeah. machine and like yeah. spitting like flows over like yeah. really weird like disjunct kind of industrial fucked up sounding beats um i don't know about industrial some of it maybe but yeah, that's that's really all it was, man. Um, for it was a long time. Put together the the live band for, and it was a lot of fun. But it just it wasn't really what we were trying to do. We yeah. kind of just did it because we some shows just would have been too difficult to come in with the dat machine. Yeah, you know. To this day, I I mean, twenty years later, roughly twenty years later, I'm sure you've had issues too. You still find the occasional sound man. He's just like. What do you mean? There's no drums, you know, yeah. but it, and it can fuck you over so hard. Back then, it no one did anything that was just not in Pittsburgh. I mean, I know there, I know there were cats in other cities yeah, and, yeah. that were doing electronic music, but in Pittsburgh, it was, you know, it was it was a kick in the balls to try to just yeah. roll track through a PA and rap over it. Yeah, there was dudes that they almost thought like. Oh, this rapper has brought some like background sounds for his raps. Yes, like, you know. Yes, like, and it's like incredibly quiet in the mix. Oh yeah, man. At that time, did you guys have like local fans? No, like not at all. Not at all. Um, I feel like we really didn't have. It's so creepy to think. Nah, creepy is not the right word. It's just like it's a weird feeling. I was very aggressively trying to like, I, we had like a fan club and like trying really hard to get, I mean, we were fresh out of high school. Yeah. So it's like, I still knew a bunch of people from high, kids from high school and 
there was a small cluster of kids from our high school who for a minute, like, I'd say for the first year, say 1996 going into 1997, yeah. who would come see us play. Yeah. And at that time, things were very uh, laissez-faire as far as like these, like kids could go to shows and bars. It wasn't a fucking yeah. problem. Um, so there was, I, I want to say we did like two shows at a place called Luciano's uh, downtown, like right near the Duquesne campus, where like all these kids from, from our high school came through and yeah. it was like packed. And the owner was happy as fuck, and it was like, it was like this is it. This that happened twice, and then like for the next three and a half years, it was like nobody in Pittsburgh liked us. Mm. Nobody gave a fuck yeah. <laughs> at all, which is cool. You know, it wasn't cool at the time. I do feel like that that kind of stuff built it builds character. Yeah, you know, um, you, you get a little tougher. Yeah, uh, on on several levels of toughness, but. Yeah, I want to say uh, in the summer of 2000, we opened for Cool Keith when he came through the Berg. Yeah. And I feel like that was kind of a, yeah, that that was a tight year. That was the year we met you. Yeah. And, and those other guys you used to rap with. Yes. Um, I feel like that was kind of a corner was turned where like a lot of people, I mean, because Cool Keith, to this day, in my opinion, one of the all-time greatest. Just yeah. All-time greatest to bless the mic. But back then, he truly had a diverse following. Yeah. I mean, it was like yeah. thugs, you know, cats from the inner city cats, cats from all over the suburbs. Yeah. And these like indie rock scenes, like everyone was checking for Cool yeah, Keith. totally. And that was like, I mean, I, I was ecstatic. I yeah. mean, to be being local support is its own thing, you know, and, but it was a big deal. It's like, yeah, we're, sh we're warming up for cool Keith. Like it's, you know, it's huge. I mean, and we had a very, like, it was like half the crowd was like going nuts over our shit. And half of them were like screaming, fuck you. Like get the fuck off the stage. It was like a very telling, like, you know, this is, this is, this is how it's going to be. Like cats yeah. are going to be super psyched and cats are going to hate super hard. Yeah. Um, but from that point on, I felt like, you know, we we started to build a little bit of a, I, I don't know, like that, like something kind of cracked open and it was like, oh no, these guys are actually cool. Like they're actually good. They're actually talented. Mm. Like they're not just like, they're not just like funny goofballs. Like they can actually flow and like, and then the other half of the crowd was like, these guys suck. Like fuck these faggots. But it's like, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? It's like. Cats knew who we were in Pittsburgh. Yeah. You know, we were kind of on everyone's radar. And I sort of think that that, from then on, I felt like we actually, I mean, and it took a long time, you know, and we were fortunate enough to have opportunities to tour. Yeah. But I mean, it took it took quite some time from that point on for yeah. us to actually build a fan base in Pittsburgh. I mean, Pittsburgh's a, it's a, it's a tough place crowd-wise. Yeah. Like, Cats like you. I mean, they fucking love you. But it's it's tough to get over, so to speak, yeah. in Pittsburgh. I remember you telling me you felt like you wasted a lot of time. Not, maybe now you wouldn't look at it as wasted time, but like doing these opening things for like Everlast and V Ice and like it. It it was a waste of time in the sense that it did, it did not generate fans. Right. 
You know what I mean? Like it just, I mean, I'm a fan of both Everlast and V Ice yeah. to this day. So, I mean, it's fire to get to say like, I played with those guys. So, yeah. I mean, in that sense, it was time well spent. Yeah. But as far as, yeah, as far as actually building a, a following, it, yeah. it didn't, you know, if any, I'm kind of amazed we didn't get our asses beat. I mean, um, not so much with the Everlast show, but you know, when V Ice like came back with that like metal band. Yeah. Oh man, that was so wild. I don't mean get beat up by V Ice or his fans, but like like kind of like the dudes in like Scarhead, <laughs> like the opening band. I thought <laughs> right, maybe right, would have beat right. us up, but I, they were cool. They were super cool. But like, yeah, it's <clears throat> but it's cool. But that eventually, I guess, really paid off. I didn't really realize that about that cool Keith show that that was like the turning point it kind of was i mean but you know we hit it's one of those things where um you know like we had been doing these shows in in weird spots like i said in like the little bizarre suburbs and like little biker bars dive bars like all kinds of crazy spots where like someone maybe would have like took notice but just been like uh and then it's like oh well they they brought the house down with cool keith and they were spotted at moon dogs like you know <laughs> get running away from like uh from a biker gang you know what i mean yeah. like biker club pardon me but uh i don't know it, it's it it was one of those things where it's not like from that point on we walked down the street and like got dap or anything yeah. like that but like people who actively sought out live music in Pittsburgh, like we were on their radar, yeah. good or bad, whether they were psyched or whether they thought we were bullshit, like, you know, they they were aware, you know. And did you guys always, because I know you did when I first saw you in 2000, but did you always have these, like, insane antics? Like, like if you're playing in, like, the crazy restaurant in the sticks, you know what I mean? Maybe not from the not from the very very first show, but, yeah. but pretty soon thereafter. I mean, it, there's just there's a compulsion to try to break the ice. Yeah, or for me, for me, there was. I, I don't maybe there. I don't know if there is for every performer or not. For me, yeah. there was. And when it became clear, it's like, oh well, we've got these crushing beats that are like literally as loud as a clock radio. <laughs> because this sound man is a fucking asshole and like yeah. we offend his every sensibility so right. he's not gonna like he's not gonna help us out and like ride the faders so yeah. this is how it's gonna sound and there's like 30 or 40 people looking at us you know some of whom are probably licensed to carry these concealed firearms and like yeah. are all very drunk and you know it, it's like the goal, I, I I would say I stand by this today, but it's just like when you're on stage, the goal is to entertain. Yeah. You know, ideally you'd like to do your songs and have people be entertained by your songs. That's like, that's the, that's the goal. But if that's not on the table, still try to find a way to entertain. Yeah. I mean, don't just walk off stage and, this is ridiculous. I can't work like this. You know what I mean? That's like, <laughs> at least, I don't know. That's, that's not what we did, but, um, yeah. No, that stuff kind of, that just came later. I mean, and I know when we, shortly after, I mean, that same year, we toured with you. Yeah. In the winter. Yeah. And th- there were many moments like that on that tour. Oh, yeah. I mean, where it was just like, I mean, Orange County is a perfect example. Yeah. That was, 
that was scary. I mean, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna front. Yeah, that was scary. I thought we were gonna get violently uh, dealt with. <laughs> well, I think, I think you might have been, you might have been a little more aware of how it was going down than me. Like, I remember, yeah, there was like a like, like a like Nazi dude, right? <laughs> there were there were out. several Nazi dudes in the parking lot. <laughs> We were right. we were in Fullerton, California, and I don't it not these are not casual Nazi dudes. They had yeah. like the sick, like expensive, like immaculately immaculately well kept pickup truck yeah. with like the Iron Cross and the Eagle and all yeah, that shit yeah, on it. Yeah. And these were big dudes, and it was right out of a movie. And like they pulled it and parked, and were like blaring like the the hate rock. Yeah. Yeah. Like blaring it. I think that's the part I didn't pick up on. Yeah. That and it was hate rock. And it was crazy. It was crazy. I mean, and I'm, you know, freedom of speech, do yeah. your thing. It's all, I don't want to say it's all good, but it's your right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's your right to crank your screwdriver. Like, I was kind of shook. And then going into the bar, uh, what the fuck? I mean, the bar was cool. The, the owner was cool to us. Yeah. What was it called? I can't remember what it was called. I remember the guy that ran Fullerton it. Fullerton Bar and Grill? That, I, think I think that's think all so. it was. Yeah. yeah. But, like, he was excited to have us. But, I mean, that was a situation where, you know, a dude, not, I don't, I didn't see the dudes from the, the scary truck in the actual yeah. bar that we were playing. Right. But just knowing that they were in the plaza. And then, like, within minutes of us, like, setting up our gear, I had a dude roll up to me coming on some, like, where's the band? Where are the guitars? Right. And saying, like, we're a rap group. And then him immediately hitting me with, like, the N-bomb. Yeah. And it was just like, oh, man. And that was like... And I'm not saying I'm not saying you should go through life trying to placate, like, fucking assholes. Yeah. But again, it's like... You have a microphone. You can get... If you can get a rise out of a bunch of people by doing some dumb shit or some goofy shit or by busting their balls. or I mean, that was, that was one thing. It's like, you could... If a crowd was fucking with you... And I'm sure this still holds true today to some extent. I do think sh shit's a little bit different now just because everyone films everything all the time and everyone's a dickhead now. But, like, you know, if a crowd was fucking with you, you could fire back at them, fuck with them ten times harder. Yeah. And not all the time. Sometimes that's exactly what won them over. Right, right. You know, right. then they, I mean, then that night, that was a pretty wild set. I mean, I remember, like, the sound was not good. We had the wireless mics cracking. And I remember, like, Jackson just, like, posting up at, like, a game of pool. Like, with the oh, mic. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. kind of, like, post, almost, like, doing, like, a little interview with these dudes <laughs> playing pool. But the crazy thing is, when we toured to California again, like, 18 months later, sadly, the hype man was not with us. But, like, that dude, the owner of that bar, was, like, dying to get us back. And, like... That's right. It was packed. Yeah. It was like everyone who was there that fucked up night with like all the white power bullshit. Yeah. Like told their friends and shit. You know what I mean? And then yeah. the next time, I don't know. So it's crazy. We've built, I feel like we both get real nostalgic. That was our first like full tour for both, both acts, you know? But like, like, well, like, what was your what? What did that feel like to you? You know, at the time, like being as much of a fucked up, crazy tour as it was. Like, I mean, it it was wild on a lot of levels, man. I mean, because I, 
you know, while I felt we had only known you for a few months and while like I was immediately a fan of you musically, I really didn't know you that well as a dude. Yeah. And it, and it was kind of insane to be like, well, we're like linking up with this, this like 19 year old dude to like tour all over the country. Yeah. I mean, yeah. but it was awesome because I, yeah. you know, I don't know. I mean, and then the following year, you know, GB had some opportunities to tour and stuff, but you know, I, I think, and I've, I've said this to you before, but like, I mean, were it not for the hype man, I don't think we would have mobilized and I mean, cause it, it was a fucked up tour in terms of routing and it was very yeah. disjunct and there were big stretches of days off, but like still it was like almost two months we were out, you know, it was like most of November, most of December, 2000, yeah. we were like on, on the, on the road. Um, I, I've, it just, it felt to me, it felt really, really, and I don't, man, I don't even want to think about how much money we all spent to do yeah. that. Probably all, probably cost us each a couple grand, I would guess, when all was said and done. Maybe not that much. I don't know. Yeah, I'm it, saying no, because that wouldn't have been. That wouldn't have been doable. It wouldn't have been like, yeah, I got three grand in the in the bank. Yeah, revenue. yeah. Even still, I, I don't know. It was, uh, but that, I felt like. I was living life for the first time, to be yeah. totally honest. It was yeah. like, I'm doing my thing. I'm traveling. I'm gigging. You know, I got Jackson in tow. I got this weird silent guy who doesn't yes. say anything till he gets on stage and then crushes it, <laughs> leaves a jar of salsa in his suitcase for 10 days. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like that was for the, I mean, I, you know, I was kind of a late bloomer. I still, I lived with my parents at that time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, so that would have put me at like 22 at the time. And yeah, I, it was awesome. It's crazy. It's crazy. Like, cause you say like I was part of like the impetus to like get it going. And I was like determined. It'd be like, yeah, this national tour is going down. Like, this fall you know and it's crazy to think how insanely fucked up it would have been if i ended up doing it by myself <laughs> but yeah. i didn't i didn't even really have a set you know you know what i mean yeah like, like i remember i don't know because i felt like you guys just had such a fire set that i started like downplaying even like these height it'd be like oh just rock a jam once in a while, like within the Grand Buffet shit. Or yeah, well, it was kind of, uh, it ended up because you, you know, you had booked a smattering of the shows. Yeah. And then we had booked a smattering of the shows. And then we would kind of split sets. Right, right, right. And I guess depending on who booked it, we would sort of figure out who was going to do what. I mean, I, I, I remember one time in particular where that happened where you were shook because these kids were like fucking assholes. It was in, uh, it was Coo not Coos. Wait, Coos? No, Coos. Yeah, Coos. I think, yeah, yeah. Chemos was San Francisco. This was yeah. Coos down in, uh, I don't Santa Ana? Riverside, Santa Ana, somewhere like that. Yeah. I think they're still around, but they've moved. Oh, okay. But I don't know. We played there again years later and it was in a different location. But And this, this is no disrespect to the venue. But, yeah. like, the crowd of kids who were there were, like, really on, like, a very, a much more, like, like,
physically non-threatening version of the same shit we had, had encountered like the night before in Fullerton. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just being like, these guys aren't black. What the heck? Yeah. And I remember you kind of like you rocked like one song and you just and it was like crickets. Right. Like this room full of like teenagers and shit. Right. And you just kind of looking at us and just being like and we're like, like, all right, all right. And then I don't know, we did our did some I don't know what we did. Yeah. But we went at him and we kind of got him to yeah, yeah. loosen up a little bit. But yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's weird. Yeah. I just feel this is me talk coming on some like I'm an old person now, because old people requisitely bitch about how much better things were. Mm. But I do really feel like it's fire that we got to tour pre 9-11 America. Yeah. Because it really was, it was a different fucking country. And I'm not going to go off on that tangent, but I'm just saying things were very different. Things were much freer. You know what I mean? It was like, you know, it, that was, we got to do some, some road dogging it, you know, pre, pre fucking World War Three McGillicuddy lockdown America. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I was actually talking to Colin about that the other day. We we were talking about this political correctness. Maybe that's not even the right term for it, but just like how he's been like taken to task for like, why did you book this group that upset me? Basically, you know what I mean on, on some like he's oh, living like in on, Richmond on now, message and like, boards and shit or just yeah, with, like, yeah yeah or in life just you know like like how could you book these guys they said such and such yeah that kind of shit which is like totally totally understandable in some ways but it's like I was kind of breaking down these three chemos shows like like chemos in San Fran yeah like. A squad of like transvestites. Yes. Like seeing these white rappers do their thing and be like, like, hey, we got a, we got some other shows you guys can get on. Yeah, yeah. And it's like these like Mexican like gang bangers doing like rape rap. Basically. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know, like, yep. Like it's like. There's it's, a- a Guns N' Roses cover band was yeah. the third one, I think. Yeah. 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 It's like, we got a couple ideas for yeah. how it could pop off. Yeah. Like, like, I don't know. I think, I think that's like really specific to that time. Like, that they even were like, you guys will be okay in this situation. And like, and we were okay. Yeah. And like, and I mean, and it's like, I don't know if you recall, but like the, I don't know if it was the bouncer or like the door person was like this giant, very attractive she male, yeah, with like you know these giant fake tits. Actually, I don't know, like transsexual. I'm I'm not 100 yeah. percent sure, but like, so it's like so these like thugs come in to this bar to rock a set and spit this like ignorant, you know, violent shit, right? But it's like they're keeping it totally cool with yeah. with the giant <laughs> transsexual. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. And like, um. And there was there was no beef. There was no drama. I mean, right, right. I don't think those dudes cared for us so much, but like musically. I don't even remember. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But it's like 
that that to me, and I mean, San Francisco is in a lot of ways is still very, very, you know, I, I people use the word progressive. I don't even know what the fuck that means anymore, but like, um, ahead of its time in terms yeah. of acculturation, you know what I mean? Different cultures, different style, lifestyles, and all that. Yeah. SFO has always been tight in that department, yeah. But even still, like, I don't think that could happen today anywhere. Yeah. I think like if, if a if a band came into a fucking bar in Pittsburgh. You know, and and rocked an ignorant fucking set. I feel like there'd be, you know there'd be motherfuckers like trying to get them, trying to get their Facebook page shut down and shit. Like right, that. I, right, right. That was a very that that it was like ten days we were in the Bay. I think the Bay, and we stayed in up in Marin County yeah. for a few days, and like that really was. I don't know. I want to. I feel like we did four or five shows in ten days. Yeah, three of which were chemo's, and then. um but yeah, that 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 is a very good example, and then it, that is kind of what I'm talking about. Yeah. Is like, you know, it, you know, peep. I don't know. That that's a whole other fucking podcast. But like, right after this tour, I, or soon after, was this Wesley Willis? Yes. Right. Yes. So how did that come about? Um, this is noteworthy. So. We that whole year, two thousand one, we linked linked up with uh some Annapolis cats, our homies Geppetto, so these DC area cats this band called Sev, and ended up through those cats, um, linking up with this band from Florida called the Nature Kids. Uh I could I could talk for hours just about those yos. Um yeah. but so we we hit the road a little bit early two thousand one with the Nature Kids, um, which was amazing. That was kind of like round two. Because the stuff we did with you was all like West Coast, a little bit of Southwest, Northeast. Yeah. Linked up with the Nature Kids, did like, I don't know, two to three weeks, like all in the South, which is never, I'd never really posted up farther South than Maryland ever. So yeah. that was wild. Um, But so that whole year, we were just trying to like aggressively do every single gig we could do, you know, living with the folks, rent free. Right. Josh Blaze, and was just like, don't want to have to get back into the day job grind. Yeah. So we're just gonna gig and gig and gig and gig. Um, and you know, like we had a little bit of a foothold in the Pittsburgh area. Yeah, like there was a a few fans and getting interest from some of the nearby colleges and like, um, not making any kind of grown up money, but like. But getting shows, which was all we gave a shit about. So uh got an email from a dude named Dan Deacon and was like, I want to book you guys to come play at my college Easter Sunday. Mm. And you'll you'll be opening for Wesley Willis. Like, yeah, fuck yeah. Um the night before, coincidentally. We had already booked the show. We were local support for Wesley Willis in Pittsburgh at Club Laga. So, oh no, it was the other way around. It was the other way around. So the Easter Sunday show was the one that Deacon booked. Okay. The Monday, the next night, we were with Wesley Willis at Club Laga. Oh, cool. So, basically, that's before, I don't know, like Dan Deacon was just, he was just a man about campus at that point. Yeah. He was running for some office, some 
school office and his that's right his slogan was totally boner eat shit <laughs> yeah. that was like this like someday this guy's gonna do big things yeah you know? so long story short yeah uh we did the two shows back to back with wesley and and i will say gb was we had our live show was, was pretty tight at that point yeah I mean, we had spent a, you know we'd been gigging hard constantly Consist not constantly, consistently for about a year at that point. Yeah, you know, we probably had probably had a couple hundred shows under our belt at that point, and I felt like our last show was pretty fucking awesome. Um, and you know, made Wesley apparently. I mean, we became good friends with Wesley later that year. At that time, I say apparently because his manager, who ultimately is why we got on the tour, was Wes's manager. Uh, I don't know, kind of less said about him, the better. Mm. But um, that's, you know, we did the two shows back to back. Wes and his manager got to see us two nights in a row. Uh, and then, you know, when Wes toured that fall, fall of 2001, um, we got asked to to hop on yeah. as, as uh, like secondary support, like first out yeah. of three. Uh, but it was, it was a big tour, man. It was a big tour. It was a lot of shows. And yeah, that definitely, that got the green out, so to speak. You know, that was, yeah. you, I felt like we were pretty, we were road dogs at that point. No, it was officially. like on a, on a bus with him and stuff, right? That was or, the next year. Oh, okay. 2001, we were in my Astro van. Oh, cool. Following Wes and this other band, who were, who really were an awesome fucking band. This band, the Shazam. Mm. Um, they were excellent. Don't know what the fuck those dudes are doing now. Hope they're doing well. They ruled. But so yeah, we were GBUs in the Astro van following the the bigger van. Yeah. It's like Yeah, and and that's kind of like how you hooked up with Hork and everything. Yeah, too, right? we we ended up getting a deal with a booking agent yeah. out of that tour. Um yeah, again, that didn't happen until the following year. But oh, okay. I mean, the, the shows with Wes went awesome. I yeah. mean, uh, you know, we, um, I, I don't want to talk shit, but his manager was not actually on that first tour. Okay. But, which, which ruled. But the shows went incredibly well. And then, like, word got back to the manager that we were kicking ass. That it was great that it was a great mix. That yeah. us warming up for Wes was like a good mix. And that we weren't fucking assholes. I mean, we, yeah. we looked out for him. We watched yeah. his back. You know what I mean? People tried to fuck with him. We were on top of it. And believe me, people did. Um, a lot of people got let off easier than they should have, especially in Canada. Woo-hoo. But anyway, um, but yeah, that uh, so that led to the following year, uh, we hopped on with Wes again. And then Wes's manager had purchased the bus, and it was this... That was, I mean, I love Wesley. Getting to work with, spent time with Wesley Willis, one of the greatest things that has ever happened to me. I mean, I, yeah. I had been a fan for years. Yeah. That that was really like, holy shit. Yeah. Life rules moment is just like, had been a fan of Wesley Willis's for years. Had caught him every time he'd been through Pittsburgh for the past several years. And like, he was like, holy shit, we're on tour with him now. Like, this is really cool. Um, yeah. yeah. Man, it's so weird. I mean, yeah, Wes passed away in 2003, yeah. super fucked up. But um, but yeah, 2002, on the bus with Wes, that is how we scored the deal with Cork. Yeah. 
Like we got we got to know Eric Carter at Cork Agency from the 2001 tour, because um, a big chunk of that wasn't the other band and the tour manager. It was just us and Wesley, yeah. with Wesley and Grand Buffet's Astrovan, which was pretty pretty fucking amazing, man. Those are those are really bittersweet memories. But mm. so Eric Carter knew us. I don't think really had an opinion about us as, yeah. as a group. But you know we were. We were honest, we were forthright, we were hardworking. And then he and the owner, or his partner, I don't I don't really know what the arrangement was, but they came to the San Francisco show and they saw us do the damn thing. And that night they were kind of like, if you guys want a booking agent, we we'd like to have you on the oh, roster. Oh wow, that's awesome. So that that was cool. That yeah. was super cool. What what was Wesley Willis like? I mean, the dude the dude was amazing. I mean, he was um, you know, he was he was mildly psychotic. Like yeah. that. When I thought Yo was retarded, or I don't even know if it's okay to say retarded, but thought he was like mentally oh, handicapped, but yeah. he was not. You know, he was he was schizophrenic, yeah. and um, you know, he struggled, but he was able to keep his demons at bay to the point where he was able to make some pretty amazing music, yeah. and you know, put on some pretty amazing shows. But, I mean, you know, Wesley. It's weird, man. You know, his fans, a lot of fucking assholes yeah. for the most part. Not all of them, but, you know, to get half half the people, because, again, I had been a fan for years because the dude blew my mind. Yeah. It wasn't because I was trying to freak show him or clown him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And his fans were divided. Some people appreciated it coming from a good place, and some people appreciated it coming from, like, a snarky, shitty like let's go point and laugh kind of place, right? But, but they all paid to get in, so whatever. What do you yeah. do? Fuck it. But um, yeah. I mean, Wesley was just you know his meds and uh, fucked with his weight, so we kind of had like try to keep him on a on a somewhat semi healthy diet, you know. And but he was his own man. I mean, he was gonna yeah. do what he wanted to do. The dude was like six foot five, four hundred pounds. Couldn't have made him do a goddamn thing, you know. Um. But he fucking ruled, man. Just ruled, and yeah. to, uh, his his approach to music—not just making it, but to listening to it and enjoying it and appreciating it, appreciating it on a lot of levels—is like that was probably the most inspiring thing to me. Is I, you know, when we picked him up at the airport in Pittsburgh for the second leg of the 2001 tour, and it was just the three of us. You know, he had like, he had his keyboard, he had a, a huge bag of CDs to sell, and he just had a, a plastic bag, and in it was, it was every Dawkins CD and every Bob Seger CD. Yes. Just like complete catalog. He yeah. had just gone out and bought the complete catalog. And, you know, we were constantly in awe of this man. Uh, it was Wes's tour. We would occasionally try to turn him on, like, you know, Wes, you want to check out this? But it's like, if he wanted to hear some Bob Seger, that's what we did. We'd blast some Bob Seger. And just he would, zombie cranking the tunes for him was like, that was very helpful in him getting the demons to, yeah. to fall back. And I, yeah. I think any music lover could relate to that. Oh, you know? Yeah, yeah. I know I can. But just one, it was so awesome. We were, and I became a Bob Seger fan from that tour. Yeah, I had never been a hater. I had never been a fan. Yeah, but um, Night Moves is a fucking awesome record. Yeah, 
And I just like blasting that record so hard constantly. I remember one time, I feel like we were somewhere, somewhere in the Midwest and just cranking it, just blasting. And like, you know, Wes just like, you could tell he's like happy, pumped. And I was pumped. It was like, this is an awesome moment. Yeah. And like Seeger is just is crushing it super loud. And like, and you know, as we're just kind of, it seemed like we were all just like, man, we're really zoned out. We're really feeling this music. And it was loud as fuck. Wes takes out like a different Bob Seeger CD and like puts it in his discman and then puts his head <laughs> cranks it. And it was just like, yes. So fire. Yeah, that's... So that's badass. So by this time, I guess you got this Sparkle Classic and this Undercover Angels out. Um, yeah, Sparkle Classic we put out in November two thousand. Tour right. with you was not until winter of two thousand two. We dropped Undercover mm. Angels. That's yeah, that's when we did the bus tour yeah. with Wes and his manager. Um, jumped right from that. Literally jumped right from that onto a tour supporting Sage Francis. Oh yeah, personal yeah, journals. Yeah. Um, that was badass, you know. Uh, that that was interesting. Sage's fans at the time definitely were not checking for us, but it was still an awesome tour. It was an awesome experience. Yeah. Sage, Edon, uh, DJ, MF Shalem. Yeah. It was a good experience. Good dudes. Good crew. I mean, nothing's ever perfect, but... I mean, I remember... This might have been it. I remember playing a show at Shadow Lounge with Sage Francis, Grand Buffet... Etc. Wounds. But, yeah. Yeah, but like. Yeah, that like, was that was two thousand one. Yeah. How, how did how did you get on like the radar of like Sage Francis and Soul and? That's a cool story. Um, I think it's a cool story. A group from Minneapolis, I respects. Oh yeah. Came through the Berg at this weird like. S- Someone asked us to do the show. We were like, sure, but it was at this really weird spot. I, I, I don't remember what the fuck it was called. It was like a gallery with like a bunch of antiques and stuff in it. I'd never heard of the place. I didn't know how to tell people to get how to tell people to get there. So it was kind of it was a fucked up show and it yeah. flopped and there was nobody there. But we threw down high respects. F- threw down, um, and uh, I, you know what? I don't know if it was actually high respects or it was a a cat from high respects who with a different crew mm. but it was the main mc from high respects um but they videotaped our set because they were like this is wild yeah and then two or two or three nights later they were in providence playing with sage and they were like you got to check these guys out and it yeah. was like sage was like these dudes rule mm. and that was when he came through pittsburgh he put yeah. a request to the promoter like i want you know these grand buffet guys to play and yeah yep and you know, there's another podcast, not gonna name names, where they start building about this grand buffet almost signing with this Anticon. I didn't know about this. Well, fuck it. This Y podcast that I was telling you. They about talk last. about that? Yeah. What? Yeah. And it's like What? <laughs> like it it was like, kind of like ben- the whole shit was kind of like benign, but like right. I kind of feel like 
the way that I remember you breaking that all down, it seemed like a movie or something, how like tragic it, it kind of went down I, with these various labels. And shit. To this day, like, I don't even know what happened. It's yeah. like 2002 was a super action-packed fucking year. The stuff with Wesley Willis, the stuff with Sage, we were dropping our second album that year, Cigarette Beach. And at that point, we were really, we were getting love in Pittsburgh, which, yeah. which was awesome, you know? And um, like every time, for the next several years, every time we played Pittsburgh, it was like a pretty big deal, which is badass. I mean, nothing nothing beats getting love from like, you know, your hometown. Yeah. Um, but so we did this big ass show in the fall and it's like, pulling all the stops like we're gonna fly in sage francis we're gonna fly in seoul um you know you were in the mix yeah so i mean you it, you know it's just like our homie height get our homie from party dreams it's like, like it's kind of a, we get our homie uh ecc this like this noise cat awesome electronic noise sample motherfuckers like we're putting together like the sickest show ever. Yeah. Had our buddies Emoti Lemon. It just just like pulling out all the stops. I mean, and it was it was it was a thing. Like we we did some shit. That was anyone who was there, that was that was like a pretty magical night. Yeah. So Soul, who we had known only through, you know, like um the distribution company Anacon was starting called Six Months, they had picked up our first album, you know, just a distribution thing. Oh yeah. Which was awesome though, because it, you know, they were they were doing their thing for a minute. Yeah. I don't know what became of that. So Soul seemed really like real. I mean, we he had seen us play. We had done a couple shows with them uh, the the previous year, but it seemed, you know, he seemed like really impressed. Like you guys are really putting it down. I'm hitting Europe next year. How'd you guys like to come with me? It was like holy fuck, that would be fucking amazing. I mean, and it was amazing. I did have a little bit of a nervous breakdown very early, early in the tour. Mm. I'm not going to go into details about that. If, yeah. if Soul ever wants to go on record, you know, that's fine. He can. Other than that, though, it was fucking amazing. It yeah. was awesome. And uh, it was a big run. It was a month in Europe, and it was a month in the States between 50 and 60 shows. It was hardcore. And it was basically like a handshake thing. At about the halfway point where Soul was like, you know, we want to do the record. It's like, let's shake hands. Like, fuck yeah, let's shake hands. We get to LA and uh, like Epitaph has done a ticket buy, which is like they buy a shitload of tickets to see, to bring like the whole office. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it wasn't, it was to see Grand Buffet. It wasn't like they yeah. did a ticket buy to see Grand Buffet and like very polite little meeting, you know, um, they were super cool dudes, but we were just very respectfully like, like you guys seem like a badass label, but like you know we're we're doing a thing with Anacon, and they were and the funny thing is like our set actually sucked that night, mm. like that most of our shows that tour were pretty fire. Our show in L.A. sucked. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, it just it sucked dick. Yeah, it fell flat. We that was like the one show I feel like we kind of bricked that mm. whole fucking tour. But anyway, um, so I'm saying for all I know, no, I'm not. I'm not going to say that. We took the high road. We were like. Like, it's awesome you guys came out. Maybe in the future we could make something happen, but we just agreed to do a record with Anaconda. Yeah. So to kind of make things shittier, and I, I will diss this dude because, like, I don't, I, don't, I don't feel like it's being tactless. I don't... This dude, Bailey, who was working for Anaconda at the time, sent this, like, really, like, bitchy email to Epitaph being like, can you guys please just give us some space? Like, we're, we want to sign Grand Buffet, and you guys are coming in with all your money and your California swagger and 
back off, which I didn't think was cool that he did. No. I, it, was, it was a bitch move. It was yeah. a classic, snaky bitch move. Yeah. But it was like, whatever. We shook hands with Soul. Fuck it. Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't, it was like, I don't appreciate you. And we met with dude, and he was semi-apologetic, and I was just like, I don't know why you did that. It wasn't cool. But it's like, whatever. Shit happens. We shook on it. We said, we're doing it. We're doing it. You know, that's how we put it down. It's carved in steel, baby. And then, like, I don't know, a month later, Soul's like, yeah, we can't do a deal with you guys now. I'm sorry. And that was kind of, that was kind of the end of it. And it was just kind of like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it was fucked up. I mean, I I still consider Soul a homie. You know what I mean? Um, I just, Anacon to me is, it's, the whole is, well, I was, I don't, I haven't been, keeping it but yeah whole much lesser than the sum of its parts like yeah. all these awesome dudes amazingly talented dudes for some reason put all their heads together and it's bunch whatever of, yeah a bunch of weird yeah. bullshit happened i mean it's not you know like i said it's not i don't want to sound like i'm coming spiteful I, that bailey dude was a dick i mean fuck him you know what I mean? Yeah. He was a fucking turd, and they were pussies for letting him be a shot caller in their operation. But I do have tremendous respect for all. I'm a fan of a lot of the music those guys have made over the years. Like that, you know, that hasn't changed. Yeah, some ridiculously talented dudes. You know what I mean? I would say all of them. Like, you know, all, all whoever, all of them at that time. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know what the fuck has happened since with the with the label. These three EPs, like are so fire to me like respect like no exaggeration of all the music i rock it's the most like it takes me back to like this 2001 this 2002 2003 that gets me psyched and it's like it kind of felt like the boys were on fire you know like it's just uh, like each one undercover angels is my favorite but respect but I felt like it just kept getting more and more fire, like in rapid succession. The, the, the I mean, did you guys feel like that? Like, oh, we're coming into our thing. I, I did, man. Yeah. I, I uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't want, I don't want this. I, I'm psyched on the prospect of like a detailed historical account. Yeah. I mean, I don't want this to become on some like me bitching about things that happened after that that I maybe thought sucked like that's okay you know what I mean um let's go but yes I to me that there was a yeah from like 2002 I want to say up till like 2004 five I mean I just there, there was a momentum, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I really felt, you know, we were, we were doing tons and tons of shows. It's like our chops were getting better and, like, you know, um, as performers. and Yeah. Yeah, it was an awesome time, you know, and we were hungry and we were fired up and, like, we accomplished a lot. You know what I mean? Like, that, that year beat 2002 to 2003 beat, like, you know, I would say the average, you know, motherfuckers, like, 10 years. Yeah. Of Austin is just all packed into one year. That yeah. that was a badass year. And um the the shit the shit with Anacon not happening and I wanna be like, who? But like whatever, it's not like I don't remember it. Yeah. That was a kick in the balls, you know what I mean? And that that did 
that soured my perception of a lot of things. Mm. No, I don't. I don't want to say like the biz, but it it was just kind of like holy. It's a holy shit. Here's this group of dudes, roughly our age, who are just they're doing it so big, and they're like they're they they're really doing it. Yeah, and it's like oh no, but these dudes just like actually dicked us over, like kind of like right. in a really weird, shitty way that we don't really understand. And it's kind of like, well, you know, it's either like, oh yeah, and they maybe fucked up a deal with like, like the world's biggest like indie label, you know? What yeah, I mean? yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, it's like I guess we'll just we'll just be DIY till we die, you know what I mean? Yeah. Fuck, fuck it all. Um, but there was some kind of, and I, I don't, like I said, I don't want to try to figure it out or build too deeply into it, but like, you know, there was some, there was some kind of little, I don't know, some kind of a misstep, I think. In retrospect, we should have concentrated firepower on another album. Instead, we concentrated firepower on staying on the road. Yeah, for like for like the next three years, pretty much nonstop. I yeah, mean, that we toured for like a minimum of six months out of the year, from like two thousand three, four, five, and probably well at most of six. I mean, it it was just it was too much. You know what I mean? We, yeah, we should have posted up because as you see you know that felt like that momentum was real and like we we're writing songs are getting more interesting yeah but you know it's it's tough when you you're making a living touring you know and there, there was no label it, you know what i mean there was yeah. no there was no infrastructure it was me and it was jackson and that was it and it's like sitting at home and recording rules but it's not not making any money yeah you know, we were making money when we toured and so it was it was a misstep it was a little bit of a misstep well i think it was really unique that you guys you had no label almost no like press push yeah. at all like not like just like completely ignored by the press besides like a couple cool things that went down but like yeah like and the one thing you had was a booking agent and just sort of made major selves like this headlining act, this like headlining club act through just that. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know what I mean? was, yeah. I don't know. I can't think of another band that's done it that way. At least that I know. You know, maybe, yeah. maybe it's not as crazy as I think. But I mean, I, definitely not common. I, I don't yeah. feel like we're the only cats who've ever done it. Yeah, I, I feel like in probably in different scenes i feel like in like the jam band scene yeah which i know i know nothing about and i i would assume it's different now yeah but like you know there were acts in the 90s and early 2000s who i'd never fucking heard of and would like i don't know sell out five nights at totally like, at a 500 capacity spot in the bird. yeah like, you know what i mean yeah and, I, and those aren't those are cats who just built their fucking live presence in a specific scene, which yeah. again, which I really don't know shit about, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. As far as like a more, uh, I guess, like indie rock, indie hip hop scene, yeah, I don't really, I can't really think of any other cats who who put it down like that. Yeah, but did it did it start to like dwindle after a while? I guess if you it like, did. yeah, it did. I mean, it uh, like the, the one thing I gotta give give Grand Buffet props for 
is like some of our fans, people who discovered us became fans of us. Some pretty badass motherfuckers. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, that's totally, you know, I mean, of course, anytime you, you, you pack a bar or club full of people, there are going to be fucking assholes in there. Yeah. No doubt. Definitely had a fair share of assholes, you know, um, checking for us too. However, it's like, you know, the fact that, you know, the cats who, to me, it, it gets me really amped. Like, when you think about, like, if you get, like, a roundtable discussion of, like, some of the, some of the more heavy-hitting GB fans yeah. over the years, you know, get, like, Sage Francis, get, like, the late, great Jason Molina, yeah. you know, get, like, Stephen Jenkins, get, yes. like, uh, Kevin Barnes. Yeah. It would you know what I mean? It's it's really it's like wow, it's like these I know I'm forgetting people, but like um it's like wow, these are like it's like a really insane cross section of like high caliber, badass, talented, like power brokers, you know what yeah, I mean? In yeah. in music and um I mean, you know, Dan Deacon stand up. Um you know, uh it's it's wild, you know, it's fucking wild. And yeah. that's, that, that to me has always kind of been like, you know, you, you, you get moments of being stressed, like, ah, oh, what, you know, what's it all worth? Like yeah. at the end of the day, what's this all worth to me? I did all this cool shit. I can't afford the fucking fix my car. You know what I mean? You have those moments, but it's just like, ah, that's just some glass half full versus glass half yeah. empty shit. I think, you know, I guess to, to end it off, yeah, without going into this Shark Tank, this Lord Grunge, right, which we will eventually, right. Um, like, despite that, some of it might be up in the air. What, like, how do you envision it going down for this? If there is a future grand buffet, moves to be made. None of your goddamn business. No. Nah, All right. <laughs> thanks, everybody. <laughs> Um, I I really don't know, man. I I can only say I I sure as shit hope we are gonna drop another album. Like we did start working on new material. Um, two years ago we started working on some new shit. Uh, I can only say I hope that's what happens. You know, yeah, I, I'm ready. I'm down. You know, when Jackson wants to link up and go back in, I'm ready. You know, and and I I hope. I would like it if it happened before, you know, we start to really, you know, if you're like a, an all right looking person physically, like, you know, I feel like Jackson and I both, it's like, we've kind of, we've kept it moving in terms of not aging prematurely, Yeah. but it's like, maybe not for him, but for me, it's like one of these days, the bottom is going to drop out and I'm going to age like 10 years in like six months. I would really like it if we could do another record and another tour before that happens. But I can't, can't promise it. So we'll see. We'll see. Well, cool, man. Well, thanks so much. Thanks for having me, man. Around, man. Thanks. For, I hope this, I don't know, man. I think this is going to be boring. Nah, to no, no you don't think so? Yeah. No. All right, man. Thank you so much to Grunge for getting on. I want to end this episode with a little extra special audio treat from the interview. Really, man, I, it's really hard not to say. 
have been like 50 times I've wanted to say it. I'm, I'm trying it. to <laughs> let it ride. <laughs> I hope the listeners understand. It's a, you know, it's not, it's a, well, I'm not going to go into it, but that we did, we, we had gym class together. I'm, I'm moving on.